1: so many great questions we had to record a second mailbag edition we're going to be taking your questions about potential trades roster changes so much more all that coming up next here on locked on heat
0: you are locked on heat your daily miami heat podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: Hello, Heat Nation. It's Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast. Yeah, thank you for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Rimmel, and With me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. So many great questions. Again, we recorded a mailback episode. Make sure you check out part one if you haven't already. We took some great questions about Victor Oladipo, Jimmy's return, and things of that sort. So much to get to. We'll address some of those things in this episode as well, including some talk about potential trades for superstars around the league. Mm. We'll see what Miami's able to do. But again, so many great questions. Thanks to all of you who support the show, and we're able to send those in via email, via Twitter, via YouTube, etc. So let's just get right into it. This first question comes into us from Dan Healy. He's the host over at the uh, Miami Heat UK podcast. If you haven't checked out what Dan and his uh, – Oh, from Across the like, Pond. Absolutely. I don't know what that was, but yes. The, <laughs> great show. Great show. Fantastic show. Dan is a great friend. He's a great guy. He loves his Heat team. I mean, listen, for all of us that think we're great fans or whatever, great media members, etc., yeah. for Dan to be able to stay up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to watch some terrible game in Sacramento, nobody goes through more than he does. Uh, so anyway, that, that's, that's that's my shout-out to Dan, a great guy and a great host. His nice. question is, overall, from your expectation to the level of output that we've seen so far, who's impressed you most this season out of Gabe Vincent, Max Strus or Caleb Martin, and can we expect to see meaningful playoff minutes for any of them if the team is fully healthy? So that's so given right. let's let's start off with that. What were your expectations for Gabe Vincent,
0: Max Struess, or Caleb Martin at the start of the season? Um, some filler minutes here and there, just injuries happen throughout the course of the season. Hopefully you just come in and don't break anything. Those are right. that was basically my expectations. Maybe you get some sort of development from Caleb Martin on the two-way contract. As is the purpose of that spot on the roster. Uh, right. Gabe Vincent, we saw some things last year. We, the big question about him is: Does that three-point shot ever come around? That was sort of the yeah. thing that you're watching coming in the season. Yeah. Max Struess, you're like, all right, just hit threes, you know, and you know what, and do just do that, Max. And for the most part, he has. Those are my expectations. All three of them, you could, you could, you could, you should say, have just blown yeah. all those expectations out of the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Have They have become core parts of this rotation. They weren't supposed to be. A lot of it is because of injury. But here we are. They're core members of this rotation, and it's creating some issues going forward for Miami. A good problem to have as far as trying to figure out how you play these guys when everybody is healthy. But that's what's going on. Um, as far as who's been the most impressive, I mean, just looking at Gabe Vincent, 7.3 points per game on 45% shooting, 39% from three for the season, 1.7 rebounds, 2.6 assists. It's a good stat line for a guy you didn't think was going to get playing time. Caleb Martin, 7.6 points per game, 49% shooting, 38% from three. Very similar scoring numbers to Gabe Vincent, three three rebounds and an assist. Um, I would put it between those two guys. Nothing against Max Struess. I just think he has really, he's just sort of been what we thought he was going to be, where Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin are exceeding those expectations. It's sort of like, uh, it's not really against Max Struess. I think it's just more speaking to you know, what this performance is versus those initial expectations.
1: Remember, he had that big showing in Summer League, too, where he was Mm -hmm. knocking down game winners, and everybody thought, oh, okay, this is it. He's the next coming of Duncan. You've got Duncan, Mm -hmm. and if for some reason Duncan doesn't pan out or you trade Duncan, Max is going to step in and do everything that Duncan does. It hasn't quite been the case. They're two completely different players. I remember doing this even a couple years ago with Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard, and everybody's like, oh, you've got two seven-footers. Both happen to be white. Both can stretch a floor. They're identical players. They're not. They play different games. It's the same thing with Duncan and Max. They're not the same. Yeah. They don't have the same game at all. Luckily, they can both shoot. I would say one is a shooter. The other is a shoot, a guy who can shoot and does other things or is supposed to. And I think that's part of the concern, especially when you're looking at players and living up to those expectations. I'd say that Max has been somewhat – not necessarily a disappointment because that feels kind of harsh. But, I mean, I think you said it pretty well. He's been who we thought he was, a guy. A, yeah. guy, a, a guy who can go out there, fill some minutes – Do some things on occasion. He's had some nice moments, fantastic, but he's just not a guy that you're going to rely on. And and that's where you are with this roster is that sometimes you need a guy like Max or somebody else in this roster to step up. And that's just not who they are. When the context of the NBA, they're they're 13th, 14th guys on rosters. That's not that's not who you're supposed to be on uh, your star to carry through for a big win on a night to night basis. So,
0: and I would say out of those three. Uh yep. is the worst defensively for whatever that's worth. I mean, he's the best three-point yes. shooter, but yes. uh those other guys have proven to be pretty good three-point shooters. Right. Uh and they're very and both of them are very good defensively. Between those two, I think I think you and I are on the same page here as far as narrowing it down to Gabe or Caleb. Who do you you got to pick one. Who do you pick? I, I to me it's Caleb. I uh, I just
1: I was pretty high on him actually. I, I think when you he the him. announcement when the announcement came that he was signed, I was like, you know what? This guy feels like he can embrace this culture. Uh, we've seen that before. I mean, this might be a, a weird thing to bring up, a correlation here. But when you split up twins, sometimes they all kind of pursue their own individual journey, different path. And a guy mm-hmm. like him who was cut by Charlotte, he's like basically trying to prove that he can still be an NBA player. He's been given this opportunity. You know you know that Miami's development is second to none. That They're going to be able to maximize players. And that's the thing that has always stood out. I remember first having these thoughts. When it came to the San Antonio Spurs, when I did a a feature uh, years ago on David Lee, a guy that was basically washed up, unfortunately, uh, within the parlance of the league. And yet he went in and was very, very productive. And I remember thinking to myself, why is it that he's able to thrive in San Antonio? It's because they were able to fine tune what he does well and focus on that, erase his mistakes and and whatever liabilities and, and deficiencies he might have. Miami has been able to do that as consistently as anybody. You look at San Antonio, you look at Miami, you look at Toronto. Those are the teams that have those kind of development systems in place where they can take any player and focus on their strengths. And you look at a guy like Caleb, he's athletic, he's got great effort, He's always willing to do whatever it takes defensively. You combine all those things with some occasional shooting from him, and you're going to get a really, really solid player. And that's where we've gone. So Gabe is fantastic. He's been a really, really nice find, a nice addition. But he's already been here for three years. I think the expectations were so low with Caleb Martin that all of a sudden when you see him have a 28-point career night, that that's all of a sudden you go, wait, this is is a really good NBA player potentially. And I think that's why he is – the one who has exceeded
0: expectations by far the most. I agree. I mean, just based that he was on a two way contract and Gabe Vincent was actually on the roster, it's right. got to be Caleb Martin. But hey, good on the Heat. They just they found two dudes in Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin. Those guys have proven to be important. They will be.
1: Let's uh, move on with another question here. This one comes in from Yanan. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. But he writes in, interesting dichotomy the team is facing without Bam and Jimmy. Deadman, Gabe, Caleb, Max, Yurt, and KZ are gaining some valuable experience playing important and extended minutes. Absolutely. Which is bound to help the team in the long slash stretch run. The overuse of vets like PJ and Kyle has to be concerning. Question number one. Could the upcoming string of games against sub-500 teams warrant some rest for the likes of Kyle and PJ, or should they wait until Jimmy and Tyler are back from their setbacks? I've got question number two that we'll answer later on, but let's get to question number one first.
0: Um, No, you can't rest anybody right now, Kyle or anybody else. You've got 10 players available. You start resting guys, now you're down to very close to the minimum of what you're allowed as far as an active roster is concerned. Uh, I, I think when Jimmy and Tyler and eventually Bam... Do return, Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker have earned some rest. And Marky Morris, I should say, when yep. he gets back. When P.J. and Kyle have earned some rest, you tell them that they're resting. Like, you be the coach that says, hey, you're not playing tonight. I think it's something that they probably should try to convince them of. Um, yep. But it won't be until that point, at the very least.
1: Yeah, and we've seen this consistently from Miami and from Spo. he's always been very determined. He says, you know what, this is just the challenge of playing in this league. You gotta step up, you gotta find somebody who can, you know, play these extended minutes, et cetera. We're going through it. Everybody's going through it. You got to find a way. Uh these guys wanna handle that except they want to accept that responsibility, et cetera. I think it is gonna be really difficult to tell P. J. Tucker, no, sit down, you need more rest. I'd like to, for him to be able to do that. He, he needs the kind of rest because, again, there's a bigger picture here where both he and Kyle need to be able to sit out some extended time so they can be thriving in the playoffs, which is where it matters the most. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be next to impossible. And, yes, to your original point, I, I think it's just unlikely. I, I don't see Spo going to these guys mm-hmm. and saying, no, no, take today off. We're going up against Detroit. That's, I can't see that going right. over well with either of those two players. But, moreover, I just don't see Spo doing that in the first place. But let's get to question number two. What are you hearing about Jimmy's injury and it's possible return. Wes, I'll turn this one over to you because you covered right. Steph Curry when he was going through a similar t- a tailbone injury, and it's a difficult injury to come back through. So go ahead. take your Give us your two cents yeah, on that.
0: Yeah, similar uh, kind of situations, too, between Steph and Jimmy because Steph also came back and re-aggravated the tailbone injury and had to miss more time. So right. this is just something that happens with guys that are constantly getting to the basket the way that Jimmy and Steph are. Um, and putting themselves in position to get fouled and, and take hard falls and potentially re-injure that tailbone. Uh, as far as what we're hearing, um, nice. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. I just know, but I know that this injury is very much a pain tolerance thing, right? Like you, this isn't, it's a contusion. This isn't a fracture. This isn't a break. This isn't something that uh, requires surgery. This is, uh, this is pain tolerance. And when we saw Jimmy come back, he was very visibly limping down the floor. It was not himself. We've talked about yeah. it. Uh, in that recap of that game, it's all about that. Monitoring him and, in, in warm-ups and in shoot-arounds and in practice and stuff like that, and just basically asking Jimmy, hey, how you feeling today? Are you ready to right. go? Uh, I do think that the Heat will take a very cautionary approach this time, as opposed to not saying that they didn't do it last time, the first time Jimmy came back from that, but it'll probably just be even more so this time around.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think Like that's the whole nature of it. Like maybe it's just a sign of my getting older or something like that. But I watch these games and these guys take some ridiculous falls sometimes, where you wonder how the hell do they even get up, much less how do they play forty minutes a game and do everything that Jimmy does. Uh, Like it's just so important for him to be able to stay healthy. And so I think it's gonna they're gonna let him get back to as close to one hundred percent as possible before they. That's a really good
0: point too that you just made. It's like of anybody on this roster, you probably need Jimmy Butler at 100% health more than anybody else on this team, right? Because of the way that he plays, because like we talked about in part one of this episode, if you're going to go through Brooklyn and Milwaukee to get out of the Eastern Conference, we said you need a bubble performance to get back to the finals from Jimmy. He doesn't do that with a lingering tailbone issue, right? He only does that at as close to 100% health as possible. Right.
1: Yeah. So I just, he's got to come back. Uh, He's going to take a hard fall at some point. You hope that by then the injury has gotten as close to 100% so he can heal so that he can withstand those kind of great impacts and be able to play through it. Because that's, like you said, it's it's got all about you know, tolerance for pain. You're going to deal with it at some point, and hopefully he's just not going to be able to take so much pain that he's just trying to force his way onto the floor, et cetera. So we'll see. Hopefully he'll return soon. I, I you know, I think it'll probably be at some point during this, this stretch where they're back at home uh, for Jimmy to come back. He didn't travel with the team, so he's going to be out yeah. at least the next two games. Uh, I would imagine it's probably, I'd say, probably in about a week or two as of this recording. We'll move on. This last question comes in from our pal Pete. He always writes in great questions. We love his suggestions. This one is, do you think Miami... Will entertain trades this season? And if so, what is your opinion on how much salary will get swapped across Mm -hmm. our table? I think our potential targets include Miles Turner, Jeremy Grant, who The Athletic is reporting, is now available from the Detroit Pistons, and Harrison Barnes of the sinking ship known as the
0: Sacramento (laughs) Kings.
1: Can they even be a sinking ship when they've been sunk for two decades? I don't know. That's That's a good good point.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, No. You know, you just become that deteriorated ship where they start finding, like, Skeletons and stuff on, like years and years yeah. and years from now. Remember, um, remember like the, when you the were skull covering games, of and Luke school. Walton will come up like two years from now.
1: Nothing. Remember when you were covering games in Sacramento? Was it the yeah. Golden One Center? Is that what they were called? It is. There were so much. The Best arena so much, in the NBA. Yeah, so much enthusiasm. Right, this this incredible yeah. arena. We saved the team. We brought them back to Sacramento. We're gonna turn it around. <laughs> Not quite. Same futility, different. Uh, just outside facade. It's all. Yeah. It's all the same. Best in best
0: oatmeal raisin cookie I've ever had, and best dessert in media dining in the NBA. Just saying. All right. All, right. all right. I'll take your word uh, for it. I've never been. It's an worth a trip to. It, it, I I have not either. This one is. Just, it transcends oatmeal raisin. It
1: made cookies. you a believer, huh?
0: The oatmeal raisin. Just cookies. in that one. I'm not going out buying oatmeal raisin cookies at Publix or anything like that's not my style. Uh, but when I am in Sacramento, I make sure to get one there. Um, as far as the question here, um, Miles Turner is not going to happen. Jeremy Grant is not going to happen. Harrison Barnes is not going to happen. There's just, right. It's nearly impossible to make those salaries work. The only way to make it work is to trade Duncan Robinson. I don't Which think that great. the Heat are unwilling to do that for somebody of that caliber, but those guys aren't also... Duncan Robinson is so essential to the way that the starting five functions from a shooter's standpoint. And then let's just say you put in Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant. Like, where are they playing? How are they helping space the floor for Jimmy and Bam? It's just not – it doesn't really work. I think there's diminishing returns in a deal like that. I understand it's a big name. Obviously, somebody like Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes is a better player in a vacuum than Duncan Robinson is. But fit at some point does matter, and Duncan Robinson – is a, is very much a ceiling raiser for this Heat team and, and the way that this roster is constructed. So that that said, there's no other, there's no other way to kind of get to those salaries. Um, I do think that Pat Riley will entertain trades for whatever mm-hmm. that is worth. Uh, I think he'll hear things. I think that this team should be out there scanning the league for cheap wings, veteran wings, and maybe a cheap big man uh, somewhere. That so that you don't fall into this situation again if Bam or Dwayne get, gets hurt that you're realizing on small ball KZ like Akpala or, or May Yurtsevin, who's so up and down right now. Uh, I could see them going in that direction. Uh, maybe swapping somebody like KZ or Yurtsevin in a deal like that, or yeah. or even maybe on Markeef Morris if this thing is in, is is lingering and they're able to, to swap him for something. I don't know. Um, but That's sort of where I'm looking at right now if there's any trade um, available. I do know this. Last time they were in this position – uh, as sort of a fringe team with finals aspirations, they swung a deal for Jay Crowder and Andre Guadalla which ended up mattering quite a bit in the bubble and their playoff run to the finals. Uh, I think Pat Riley is very much interested in doing that. As far okay. as how much salary you could take back, not much.
1: Okay, my my
0: caveat to
1: that, and and you're as aware of this as anybody, is that they were able to swing that deal because you basically had three players on the team on the team. On the roster at that point in time, that were either unplayable or had right. burned bridges, or those bridges were now in, in smoldering embers and they no longer were part of the long term vision of this team. Dion Waiters, James Johnson, and of course Justice Winslow, who was hurt, not likely to come back, spent another season nursing injuries, etc., and is only now a shell of the player that he was in Miami, as we've seen so unfortunately often throughout the case in Miami Heat history. So I think that made any kind of deal for Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill. Shout out to Solomon Hill, by the way. I right, never get to mention Yeah, we never mention that. So, you know, but also, he's got a season entering injury, so we only um, hope he comes back at some point. But uh, And there's, of course, Jake Crowder, who was a, a monumental piece in Miami's success in the Orlando bubble, able to transform the roster. But you look at this roster right now, and there's nobody who's really unplayable, with the exception of UD, that's not going anywhere. Yes, you've had to rely on Caleb, Max, uh Gabe, et cetera. Seven has been getting minutes now. Marquise at some point he's going to come back. And those guys, maybe they'll be unplayable at some point, but their salaries are so low that I just saw. So you kind can't of, do yeah. anything.
0: Yeah. Even yeah. if you were to package, let's you put Marquise, Casey, and Omer Yurt Seven together. Let's just in a package for that that's only netting you like a six million dollar player. And a right. six million dollar player is not worth a three for one. And then you got to fill out the rest of your roster and you're still and this is a team that is not motivated apparently to cross the luxury tax threshold that you're only $400,000 away from. So I just don't see that. Like That's the part about a deal that any deal to get done almost has to be a a one for one or a two for two, an even amount of players swap. And to your point, they don't have those like middle class salaries Right. To move in a deal. The only one they have really is P.J. Tucker at $7 million, And they're not moving him. They look like finding him. better value at $7 right. million than P.J. Tucker right now.
1: Wasn't that Pat Riley's point years ago when we, you and I were still covering the team and he was talking about the deals for Olynyk, Johnson, et cetera? Yeah. It's like, those deals look bad. But they're not. They're movable deals. And they were. All those players were. were traded because they were eminently movable deals. You don't have those. You either got somebody getting paid $25 million or more like Duncan, Kyle, Jimmy, Bam, et cetera, or you've got guys making a couple million, et cetera. That, those contracts aren't movable or, or you're, you're trading ketchup packets for a barbecue dipping sauce. It's not. You're not getting a main meal. You're not getting a main course. You're just getting a, a side I don't know condiment you're not getting anything yeah. that's going to be important or essential to Miami making a deep playoff run and you can only pack it so packet so much of those packets together in order to get something of value and I don't know that those players exist if you're a guy a guy on an x team who's getting paid six seven million dollars and is a great value, why the hell would you trade them for the potential development of an Omar Yurtseven? seven I mean right not know. I'm trying to think what's the name of the guy who was in with Denver. Oh, uh, Tory Craig, right? He's now with the Indiana Pacers. They're looking to move him too. I'm not sure what his deal is. That seems like the kind of player that maybe right. is a wing defender, a guy who's played in big moments. He was with the Suns and the Bucks last year on their run to the finals.
0: I, I don't know. Yeah, could you do like a like that's what we're talking about? Could you do right. like Markeith Morris's expiring contract for Tory Craig? And the motivation for Indiana to do that would be, well, Markeith is on an expiring deal. I think they signed Tory Craig to like a two-year deal. So we get the money off the books. And then Miami could just throw the you know $500,000 of cash or whatever it is that they can do uh, at the Pacers who are going probably to hit this rebuild button and miss any playoff revenue this year, which they rely on as a small market team. So, like, hey, here's right. some extra cash. Here's Markeith Morris is expiring. We'll take Torrey Craig. It's yeah. something very minor like that. It's not something that's going to super excite Heat fans like Miles Turner or Jeremy Grant or Harrison.
1: Barnes. He signed a two-year, ten million dollars deal, so he's owed five point one next season, four point eight, four point nine, basically this season. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of player that you're looking to get. As you're looking at Tory Craig, just given his experience and the fact that he's a somewhat of a name around NBA circles, is he that much of a drastic improvement over somebody? I mean, no, I know no, what you I, talk- I thought
0: I thought he was making like two million. So even that man that now you're talking about another two for one and then he just don't have the money to do it. They're not going to do right. that. Would you rather give up? You know the potential of,
1: from what we've seen over the last few weeks of Casey Opala and Max Streuss's relatively cheap deal and the fact that he's a much better shooter
0: than Tory Craig is in exchange for a couple months rental of Tory Craig I, I don't know that's worth it I don't maybe maybe if you do if you're not getting anything from Marquise Morris right with this lingering mm-hmm. whiplash thing and we did have a doctor tell us you know on the show that he should be starting the process of getting back on the court relatively soon based on a normal timeline for whiplash but that's not a specific uh Somebody that has been dealing with Marquise's injury specifically, um, but uh, yeah, if you're just not if you feel like you're not going to get anything from Marquise and it's like trade deadline time and you're still not getting anything from him and this thing is lingering, then I would I would consider Marquise and KZ for Torrey Craig and then I'm not exactly sure on the finances there, but you could still promote Caleb Martin. On a, uh, onto that 14th roster spot in that instance because you're doing a two-for-one instead of the 15th roster spot and still potentially stay under the luxury tax. Maybe the Heat do some gymnastics that way in order to, to kind of, quote-unquote, upgrade, upgrade a spot on the roster. But, I mean, Tori Craig, really? Like, is that really – are we going to go through all those hoops for Tori Craig? I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just found this out right now. I never would have guessed this in a million years. He's 30-plus years old. Like, he's, he's midway through his oh, 30th wow. year right now. So, I, I you know, he's this only a been lot three of years Craig.
0: My... This is a lot of Tori Craig talk.
1: Well, that's the kind of player Miami right. might be potentially targeting. So, unfortunately, I just don't think Miami's in a position right now. Like, give yeah. it to the off season where they can assess just how far they made it this year, whether or not they do have to move a Duncan Robinson, whether or not they do have to make Tyler Hero starter, whether or not they have to entertain offers for Kyle Lowry, et cetera. That's when the magic happens. During the off season, season right, right now, yeah. yeah, exactly. I just don't see them doing any kind of significant changes this season. They're kind of their hands are somewhat tied at this point. And you know what? It's okay. They've got a really surprisingly a roster. deep roster. Yeah, let's not you know try to get rid of this or blow up this team for anything. And I, I, we'd love to be able to acquire a Jay Crowder or an Andre Guadal if those guys are available. But we just, you just don't have those contracts on the roster right now. You don't have three guys making between eight and twelve million dollars right. that you can package for thirty million dollars worth of incoming salary. You just don't have that on this team right now. You've got guys making thirty, or you got guys making two or three. Not enough to get that kind of great player right there somewhere in the middle you're not moving pj tucker because hell he's been miami's best player over the last right. few weeks but anyway that'll do it for this part two of the mailbag again thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions keep those coming in all season long we'll be doing those periodically throughout the rest of the year uh thanks again for making Locked On heat your first listen every day i'm david rumelt signing off for now thanks for joining me Wes.
0: have a great weekend everybody